I've listened to Safe Travels by Jukebox the Ghost for six years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody and welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james and over there right across the country from me is connor i'm here that's right and i sound different you might you might sound a little different i hope i sound a little different the goal is for you to sound different yeah yeah Maybe a little more audio balanced, a little less hard on the ears. Yeah, you're smooth, Connor, this week. Smooth, Connor. Wearing sunglasses in my dark recording room. Great. Just like Corey Hart. That's right. You know, year three is the year of healing, and we decided to heal the podcast a little more. If I say the first thing to be healed in the year of healing, my audio. <laughs> That's right. We've got a proper microphone for Connor now. Sure do. Only took us two years to get it. Well, you know, sometimes you start a hobby and you're not sure how it's going to stick or go. And So y'all better not stop listening right now is a big old joke. <laughs> Your sound improves and then we have to stop. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it, too. I'm excited to hear your voice and all of its uh, voiciness. It was a good get. I've been eyeing one for a while, and now it's here. Yeah, it is. And I tell you what, tell you what, hey, we need to take a moment and just address the fact that I don't think I've ever in my life had better customer service than I did buying this microphone. Yeah. Also, for the record, not a sponsor. We're just really happy to have the microphone. And the story Connor's about to tell you was totally surprising. Yeah, absolutely no sponsorship whatsoever. It blew me away. Bought it from a Sweetwater, pretty popular electronics microphone store, it seemed like. Figured that's it. It'll show up when it shows up. Not more than like, what, 20 minutes later? Less, maybe less than <laughs> 20 minutes from the time you clicked order. From the time I've already spent my money. The money has been given to them. They have no reason to mess with me anymore except to give me my product. To mess with me? <laughs> I get a phone call from Sweetwater, from one of their sales engineers, shout out to my boy Steve, who just wanted to call me, thank me for my order, ask me if I had any questions, you know, was interested in the podcast. It was it was great. I, I couldn't, like, told me, like, he personally saw that my order had been boxed up and was ready to go on the truck. <laughs> like, I was ready to answer the door when the microphone came and for Steve to be standing there hand delivering it to me. Like, that's how good the customer service was. He honestly might have. I bet he's <laughs> sad that he couldn't have done that. Uh, yeah. It was impressive. Very impressive. So, not a sponsor. But thanks, Steve. But thanks, Steve. Steve, if you do want to sponsor us... <laughs> Let us know. We'll work something out. Yeah, Steve, if, you're, if you've got a sponsorship slot open, let us know. <laughs> but yeah, you sound great. You know what else sounds great to my ears? Jukebox the Ghost. That's our band this week, talking about a Jukebox the Ghost album. I will come right out of the gate, right at the beginning of the episode, and admit this episode may contain a little bias. This record score from me may be a little biased. Whoa. And that's because I really like Jukebox the Ghost. I knew that. I know you knew that. I've talked about them before, and I've even taken some of our mutual friends to their concerts when they've been in town. But I'm a big fan. I discovered them in college. A lot of college friends I knew liked them. And I've been waiting for the right time to bring them to the podcast. And today felt like a good time <laughs> to bring jukebox the ghost to the podcast <laughs> because this is the closest episode to my birthday 
It is. I see no problems remembering which episode's yours, but, you know, your feeling, we won't get into all that. No, that's water under the bridge. But right off the rip, barely even got my new microphone story out before it was all birthday, birthday, birthday. Well, to be honest, I forgot about it until right now, until I was describing why I picked Jukebox the Ghost, and I was like... (laughs) And then you realized... Oh, yeah, I picked Jukebox the Ghost because it's a special (laughs) birthday episode for me. You're really not good at birthdays. I guess not i'm so if i've ever forgotten your birthday out there i'm so sorry apparently that's just what i do now <laughs> that's his new thing well is jukebox the ghost a band you'd ever heard of outside of me talking about them no i hadn't even listened to any of their music despite you having been such a big fan yeah i kind of expected that to be the case I don't think Safe Travels is my favorite of their albums, but I think it's a great starting point to jump into because, I mean, their older albums, my personal favorite is their album right before this, Everything Under the Sun. It's a little bit more of a difficult entry point. I think Safe Travels has a lot of really good singles. It's kind of a good mix, a good balance between their older style of music and their newer, poppier style of music. We'll get into it. Did they live up to the hype that I put on them? That's a good question. I'm not telling you that now. Come on. Oh, don't tell me. Tell your new microphone. Whisper it. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Okay. What? I didn't hear that. I didn't see if you were able to hear that and it sound good. Then we know the new microphone was worth it. It sounded good to me. <laughs> I didn't hear it though. It was just for that's between you and the microphone, whatever that secret you just said was. And the audience. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> Jukebox the Ghost. Jukebox the Ghost is a three piece piano power pop band from Washington, D.C. Well, they were formed in D.C., right? They call New York City home nowadays, but the band's made up of Tommy Siegel, a guitarist, a songwriter, a singer. And a really great cartoonist on the side. He's had his cartoons, like, published in, I forget, The New Yorker or something. Published cartoonist, Tommy Siegel. Ben Thornwell plays the piano. He's a classically trained pianist. And he's a composer. Not just, like, a songwriter. Like, he composes film scores and musical scores and stuff. Like, he's a bona fide composer. And then there's Jesse Christen, the drummer. And he also does sing, like twice so far on their entire discography he's got he's got a couple vocal moments and i think he also does art but he's a very funny guy great trio they met as undergrad students at george washington university in 2003 and they formed a band back then they were called sunday mail and as sunday mail they started really pushing into this newer almost like a niche kind of alt pop it's like it's very frank, very tongue-in-cheek. Sometimes it's experimental, sometimes it's emotional, especially in the early days. There's a lot of variety in there. It's kind of a melting pot. It's a lot of fun to explore their catalog, I think, because their songs really range wide, from love songs to multi-part apocalyptic sagas about floods and the earth ceasing to exist there's little peppy prescriptive advice songs to these really theatrical displays of storytelling they rarely do the same thing twice it's a roller coaster but a thoroughly entertaining one and i guess you could kind of call them maybe more than any other band we've talked about they kind of have a cult following you know they've got a very small but devoted group of fans I don't even think very small. Small Small-ish, but very devoted is probably the more accurate way to scale those adjectives. But in 2005, the band's been gigging around a bit, writing some of their own original music, and they decided they were ready for a change of pace. They said, we've got enough songs of our own, now we're going to start doing things a little differently. They decided it was time to change their name. They said, hmm, everybody's doing a blank the blank name, you know? There's a, a lot of blank the blanks out there. What kind of 
blank the blank name could we do? Could we do a blank the blank name? Uh, if we did, what would it be? Pod the cast. Cast the cast the pod. You're right. That's way better. Well, that's okay. We're here to bounce ideas off each other. Cast the pod. I like it. Well, they also really wanted that blank the blank name. Ben really wanted to do something involving ghosts, which honestly makes sense to me. They have a couple of good songs that are specter themed. So he's all in for ghosts. And he was inspired for that part of the name by the author Vladimir Nabokov. As for the jukebox part, it comes from a lyric by a musician that has, when I tell you, he's absolutely broken my brain as a music fan. It's not an exaggeration. It comes from a lyric by Captain Beefheart. I'm not sure when we'll talk about Captain Beefheart on the podcast. You're just not ready. I guarantee you are not ready. And I looked high and low and long and hard to try and find the lyric from Captain Beefheart that inspired the jukebox part of Jukebox the Ghost, but I could not find it right off the bat. It's out there somewhere, but you know, someday. You'll be ready someday. Okay. And thus, Jukebox the Ghost was born. They put together their debut record, Let Live and Let Ghosts, in 2008, which is a great record title. They were actually on their senior year winter break in college when they recorded it. It came out and started to earn them a lot more opportunities to tour. They played with Say Hi and Nightmare of You before getting a really stellar opening gig for Ben Folds in 2009. Are you familiar with Ben Folds? Do you know him at all? Yeah, he owns the laundromat, right? No, <laughs> Ben Folds owns the la- <laughs> He doesn't own the laundromat. That You're thinking of a different Mr. Folds. Oh, sorry. Uh, the no is the answer you're looking for. Ah, oh, Ben Folds was one of the judges on the sing-off for a long time. You've probably encountered him at least there. Have I? Have you watched the sing-off? We, you talked about Pentatonics and Ingrid Andrus. We've talked about uh, the sing-off before. Uh, we've talked about it, and I've seen the Pentatonics one, but that's it. Fair enough. I mean, you should look up Ben Folds. One thing he does is he, like, composes music on the fly. Like, he just has an orchestra, and he says, okay, we're going to compose a song. And then he just takes, like, five minutes to figure out everybody's different part and tell them what to do. And then he, like, conducts a full-fledged baby symphony. It's really cool. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to him someday as well. We're talking about a lot of uh, future name drops this episode. But in 2010, after all this touring, high-profile touring, expansion of the fan base... 2010, Jukebox the Ghost drops their sophomore album, Everything Under the Sun. Once again, probably my personal favorite. Really special album for me. And we almost did it for this episode. Really, we were close. Everything Under the Sun charted at number 38 on the U.S. Independent Albums chart, which is downright impressive. That success saw them take on a European tour. It landed them at Lollapalooza, and it got them a slot on The Late Show with David Letterman, which once again expanded their audience a ton. They also got to perform on a couple different specialty cruises and open for Bare Naked Ladies and Motion City Soundtrack. That's cool. I know. It is cool. But we're not talking about everything under the sun this week. We're talking about Safe Travels, their third album. Their first two albums were pretty heavily based in fiction, right? A lot of narratives, a lot of characters, a lot of stories and fantastical elements, things that aren't real. And they decided it was time for a pivot. So for their third album, Safe Travels, they leaned a lot more into songs that were grounded, really based in personal experiences, like actual genuine emotions, stuff like that. That's not to say they still don't take on a bit of a fantastical or larger-than-life kind of quality, because as you may have noticed, they definitely do. Some of these songs have an interesting scope 
to them or scale to them. You know, some of these things are, are, we've talked about it on albums of the past, where they either magnify in close on very big subjects on like a micro scale, or they zoom way out and take on smaller subjects on a grand scale. So they still do that. But they also have a little more metaphorical depth and a little more of a stronger realistic anchor than the previous two records. Safe Travels came out in 2012, and it's pretty thoroughly saturated with everything that I think made their first two albums stand out. There's a lot of punchy guitars, a lot of sweeping pianos and pulsing drums, and it really does take their theatrical tendencies to new heights. I was looking up some reviews for the album as I was researching for this. Pitchfork described the album as stumbling unexpectedly into a Broadway musical at the precise moment when everyone breaks into song, and I thought that was a very apt description. Hmm. Yeah. As for the album's title, it was inspired by a song of the same name by Peter and the Wolf. Tommy said the song sort of became a mantra. He said safe travels is almost always a way of saying goodbye. And there's a lot of songs on this record about death and mortality and breakups. Safe travels just seemed like a nice way to encapsulate all that in a more positive light. And I think that sentiment is one of the things I find so interesting about this record is... Yeah, all the heavy themes and stuff, but also like underscored by a very strange positivity in almost all cases, even on a song like I'm I'm jumping the gun a little bit, even on songs like Dead and Adulthood that are about really like kind of weighty things. There's this strange electricism to them. Is that a word? It's a word now. (laughs) They just have this energy that's hard to pin down, but I think Safe Travels honestly does do a pretty good job of summing it up. Like, we're traveling, and we're just wishing you well. You know, it's going to be what it's going to be, but we hope that it's as good as it can get, whatever that looks like. Also interesting, Safe Travels features contributions from some outside musicians, including violas, violins, cellos, congas, and more. It ended up taking them to a new career-high number 13 position on the U.S. Independent Albums charts and even hit number 12 on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart. So that's where we're hanging out today. That's Safe Travels. Afterwards, they put out their self-titled album, which is a lot more poppy. It gets... It gets interesting after this. They take kind of a new, fresh direction with their music after Safe Travels, which I do enjoy, but I also just like their old stuff so much. I kind of hold on to Safe Travels as the linchpin between old Jukebox the Ghost and newer Jukebox the Ghost. So, self-titled album. Temporarily, they signed with the pop label Cherry Tree. They did a lot more touring, some of which I've been to. And they put out two more records in Off to the Races and most recently, Cheers. So far, they've released six albums, an acoustic record, and, honestly, super awesome, an entirely piano version of their self-titled album. Like, no vocals, just solo piano for every track. That's cool. It is incredible and, like, enthralling. They've also got a few great singles, either as bonus tracks on deluxe editions or standalone songs that I really love. And another little trivia tidbit about Jukebox the Ghost, they are fellow casters of the pod. Yeah. Yeah, they've recently jumped into the podcast arena themselves. They've got a show called fame-ish i'm gonna be honest not calling it podcast the ghost is a bit of a miss well but yeah i feel like you can't call it podcast the ghost because it doesn't really tell anybody what it's about doesn't really matter yeah because it's a podcast with a theme does spin it tell you anything about what the podcast is about i feel like it narrows it down to a few easy options if you include a tagline it does yeah or if you look at our cover photo which is a record you can figure it out 
Yeah. But it's called Famish because it's all about being a little bit famous among, like I said, a smaller but highly devoted group of people. You know, like most times you'll go out in public and be fine. Once in a while you'll go out in public and be recognized and just all the stuff about that. They have guests and interviews and stuff. It's pretty cool. I've listened to a few episodes. Check it out. Fame-ish. Not famous, just ish. But that's all I've got about background for Jukebox the Ghost. Now it's time to get our own Mixtaper the Dastard out here, where he will tell me a fact about Jukebox the Ghost, and I will have to determine if it's a true fact or a spin. Yes. Which is just a secret code for a blatant lie. <laughs> hey, it's me. The Mixtaper. Hello, Mixtaper. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Feeling pretty dastardly. Uh Uh-oh. That's not what we like to hear. It's what I love to hear. It's my true essence. Your true essence is coming through a lot clearer on Connor's new microphone. You sound a little more evil. Yeah. And a little less like Connor. I've actually always had a microphone like this of this caliber, but Connor would never let me use it because he didn't want me to sound better than him. Oh, it was a pride thing? Yeah. He's real Mm. prideful, that Connor. You know, that's what he's known for. Having a real ego. Okay, sure. All right, well. Huh. Huh. What? You, you got facts, right? I, wait, I was supposed to bring facts? <laughs> no, okay. Like, yeah, that would generally be the way things go. I didn't put them in order. Oh. Uh, let's start with this one. They sell sheet music for their songs. Ooh, that's really fun. Were you worried about this week by the Unrelated? Unrelated, were you worried about this week at all? Never worried. There's not a single time. with. There's zero evidence I've ever been worried about anything in my life. Yeah, none. I'm just saying. But also, yes, very much so. <laughs> I have been a big fan of Jukebox the Ghost for a while. I know. That doesn't mean anything for this fact necessarily. I just want to throw out there that this could spell disaster for one of us. I know. So they sell sheet music for their songs. Is this a thing that they've always done? Uh. Okay. And is it like sheet music just for the piano? Obviously, they have other instruments, and Ben's a great pianist. Is it sheet music for everything? Voice and piano, but yeah. Okay. Is it all centralized in one package? Like, can I just buy a book of sheet music, or can I get, like, I just want to get the chords to Don't Let Me Fall Behind. Let me download those separately. Like, what's the situation? Well, that one doesn't exist, so no. Okay. (laughs) You get the idea. You get what I'm saying, though. So you can buy them individually for anywhere from, like, four bucks to like six bucks Uh uh-huh i'm not familiar with the going rate of sheet music but that doesn't sound unreasonable or you can get the package for all six of them for 15 i bet it does take a long time to transcribe what six songs are sheet musicified they're all from the let live and let ghosts album oh old stuff okay fred astaire victoria under my skin good day Hold It In, and a two-song combo for My Heart's the Same and Lighting Myself on Fire. Okay, so most of those are from the old albums, but some of those were newer. Uh. I know you don't know, but I do. (laughs) Interesting. I'm going to say this one's a fact. My first question is, did you know this one? Here's the thing. I do know that they've sold sheet music. I don't know that the parameters that you've just told me were all true. (laughs) I can't confirm that for sure. How many are you going to be when I tell you I chose completely different songs? That's totally possible. It is completely possible, but... But not what happened. This is a true fact. I was going to say, you put together a couple of songs that go together that I don't think you would have known go together if you just picked random songs. Maybe I got lucky. 
Maybe you did, but you but you didn't because it was a fact. <laughs> Unlucky in the fact that you knew that, but mm, yeah, that is what also inspired me to ask if you were worried that I might know some because I did, and that's what made me think about going and picking different songs when you asked that. <laughs> but you decided to be nice. Oh, ah, uh, yeah, that's very year of healing of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just go ahead and move right on to the next one. Tommy's favorite musical is Fiddler on the Roof. I don't know much about Fiddler on the Roof. Do enlighten me. Oh, uh, sure. Don't just say that there's a fiddler and he's on the roof, because I I did at least guess that much. All right, let's set the scene. Oh. There's a roof. Don't, don't. That has a fiddler on oh it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's not what you told me not to say. It's true. <laughs> Touche. It's a musical with music by Jerry Brock, lyrics by Sheldon Harnick, and book by Joseph Stein, set in the pale of settlement of Imperial Russia in or around 1905. Oh, wow. Okay, is it funny? Is it serious? What's the tone of this musical? I really should do some more research. So the whole concept is about a, like a Jewish milkman uh-huh. who's trying to maintain his religion and cultural traditions as outside influences are encroaching upon him and his family's lives. Oh, so that's why he has to get on the roof. It's farther away. <laughs> so he has three strong-willed daughters who wish to marry for love and not just for, like, status or money or other things. Okay. And then the Jews eventually get evicted from the village. I think that's pretty much the end of the first act, if I remember right. Oh, wow. But maybe not. I've seen it in, like, chunks. I've never seen it all in one sitting. I see. It was the longest-running Broadway musical for almost 10 years until Greece surpassed it. Wow. When did it... It's an old one. It opened in 1964. That was my next question. And what makes it Tommy's favorite? What's he like about it? It's his favorite. So it is. That is no further information. I have no further information to give. Some of the more famous songs to come from it are the If I Were a Rich Man song. That's a pretty famous one mm-hmm. matchmaker matchmaker which is the three daughters begging for a husband that they can love do love me is a pretty popular one and i think sunrise sunrise is the other popular one if i remember right and you don't know why he likes it so much or what is his favorite about it what he is do you have more information about the connections between it and jukebox the ghost i have no further information to give well this could be anything this could you could totally just have said <laughs> any musical i could have and maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. That's for you to decide oh. with no further information. With no context about, I mean, yeah, I've heard you summarize it now. Uh, ironically, in far less detail than you did 1980-whatever's Body Heat, the movie. <laughs> I mean, I can do that if you really want, no. but I, you know, we're no. on a time crunch here. I have not much to work on. Oh, if I had seen the musical, I'd have some idea, but I haven't seen the musical. I have to roll the dice, and I'm going to say that this is a fact uh, fact. Going with fact. Going with a fact. This is a true fact. Thank goodness. There really was, I was totally in the dark on that one. How'd that come up? Was it like an interview or was he talking about it? Uh, ready to ask me anything that the band did. Oh, I, oh, the classic old AMA where there doesn't need to be any context. Nope. Somebody asked the question, what's your favorite musical? He said, Fiddler on the Roof, in quote. <laughs> and that was the end of it. <laughs> and enter fact. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Being a bit of an obscure band, I had less work to work with here for true facts, including my next one that I really had to dig deep for. Okay. Ben's great-grandfather has a cool patent. <laughs> That's related to the band, right? I suppose. Well, if we can talk about the inventor of the stoplight. 
twice. Yeah, and how <laughs> the one of the moms of the monkeys can invent whiteout. I feel like this is fair play. I think it is too. If Garrett Morgan's on the table, <laughs> so is this. What's his cool patent? An automatic record changer. Oh, an automatic record changer. Yeah. Sounds complicated. Yeah. But it's cool. But like, so you got like CD changers in cars. And I, I was going to say nowadays, but it's really how many cars <laughs> <It's> <laughs> in like... the olden times, cars. You're showing your age. <laughs> I know. In the olden days, cars would have CD changers. I'm guessing a record changer is something like that, right? Where, or like something maybe that's in a jukebox. Oh, in a juke. Mm. Jukeboxes don't use records. The old ones did. Oh, maybe. I guess, yeah. How long have jukeboxes been around? A while. But, like, is this a record changer where you have to have several records in it at once, and it just chooses one to go onto the turntable? Well, yeah. How else would it work? I think there's, like, a giant robot arm that goes and grabs it out of your shelf where you keep all your records and pulls it out of the sleeve and puts it in like what no but I, <laughs> like genuinely genuinely that is like what jukeboxes did there's a bunch of records around the you know the jukebox and you select which one you want and the arm grabs that record and puts it on the turntable yeah but those are already preloaded into the machine right <laughs> yes but i'm that's what i'm saying yeah it, you preload a bunch of records into it and then it swaps them out when one runs out and it puts them in like a loop now is it the whole turntable that comes with it or is this like an apparatus that can attach i don't know what year is this? 1927. Whoa. Oh, sorry. No, the patent was filed in 1918. Is it like electrically powered? Like I plug this in and it... I don't know. I can't actually get access to... I, like I couldn't find the patent. Okay. That's really cool. What's what's his name? Hobart Niblick? Niblack? Niblack? I don't know. Okay. I'll give you a couple different options there. It's one of those. You can deduce how it's spelled by all the ways Connor pronounced it. <laughs> That's a really cool patent. How many records could it change? Just like two or? I don't know. Oh, I'm going to say this one's a spin. Going with spin. As soon as I thought about how jukeboxes automatically change records. Oh, you think that's what I've done to you. Well, just in my mind, I couldn't shake that thought. <laughs> and it's totally possible that his great-grandfather's done this. But I'm locking in spin. Locking it in. This is a true fact. Really? But not about Ben Thornwell. <laughs> is it a different Ben? Somebody's great-grandfather invented this cool patent, but not Ben's. Okay, so it is <laughs> so a, it's spin. a spin. Okay, I just want to make sure we're clear. Hobart Nyblack, so I'm going to stick with it, patented an apparatus in 1918, which automatically changed records, leading to one of the first selective jukeboxes yeah. being introduced in 1927 by the Automated wow. Musical Instrument Company, later known as AM. That is so, you tried to throw me off the scent so hard when you went, wonder when they started making jukeboxes. <laughs> like you didn't already have it in your notes right there. I did, I did. <laughs> wow well that's a pretty cool invention either way i'd be curious to see how it worked i tried to pull an andre the giant on you there yeah, yeah. <laughs> the original ghost of the jukebox was this dead guy who invented <laughs> that's pretty much the bit yeah uh, <laughs> all right how are we feeling about a final ramp final ramp i think you know what's coming i feel like i do because i didn't put it in my rundown very deliberately wait what <laughs> excuse me what well, I just, I feel like I know what you're about to say, and I didn't put it in my rundown. I'm scared to know what it is that you think I'm going to say. You might already know what it is. What, I, what are you going to say? Say what you're going to say. They own Ghost 
detecting equipment. No way. That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to talk about Halloween, where they dress up as Queen, and every Halloween they do like an entire double concert. You sneaky little devil, leaving stuff out of your rundown so that you can pull a fast <laughs> one on me and factor spin? No. No, it wasn't for a fast one. I see. I thought this was the year of healing. I was to you on February. You have to hear my explanation. I I meant for it to be a healing thing because I knew this was a band you might not be able to find as many facts about. So I wanted to leave you some cool, fun things to talk about. A cool, fun thing that you could then know the answer to and get a free point for? Uh Uh-huh. Well, okay, but I mean, it is true. Everybody kind of knows about Halloween if you followed the band for any amount of time. Yeah, which is why I didn't use it. (laughs) They're promoting it even now in like June. (laughs) It's a big deal. Well, see, you didn't, and it's fine. It all worked out. My logic was flawed, but my heart was in the right place. But they own Ghost Detecting Equipment. It's back. Yes, back to the matter at hand. You devil. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on your side. I'm the devil on your side. Of course they do, right? Of course they do. This, uh... I told you we'd do the band that did it eventually. That there was no way we wanted. You did. (laughs) You did. And you knew that I was a big, big fan of Jukebox the Ghost. You knew it the whole time. But is it true? Only the details will give you an idea. Okay, well, let's take a walk back in time. Okay. It's come up a lot. This this has come up many times. Episode 42, Gabrielle Applin talked to Ryan the Ghost. Episode 47, the Red Hot Chili Peppers made an album with Rybipson the Ghost. Pronounce Ryan, please. Right. Episode 61, Bob Dylan encountered Ryan the Ghost Dog, which for some reason could not possibly have been just a normal <laughs> dog barking in the distance. Um, Ice Nine Kills also owned a bunch of ghost detecting equipment in episode 60. Elton John owned ghost detecting equipment in episode 70. Uh, In our 90s singles, somebody was said to have owned ghost detecting equipment, episode 90. And here we are. And now it's back. Back again. And for the record, anybody who didn't listen to all those episodes, those were all spin versions of this same fact. They were all false. Back on the Gabrielle Applin episode, I issued a prophecy that said this fact would be true about a future artist we were guaranteed to do. Yeah, way back on episode 40. Like, this is a long time coming. So James has been trying to find that artist. I have. So tell me the specifics of Jukebox the Ghosts, ghost detecting equipment. Well, what do you want to know? The usuals at this point. What is it and how much did it cost? Oh, how much did it cost? Thank you for asking. Let's play everybody's second oh. favorite spin a game show. Guess that dollar amount. Well, okay, but... First, you got to tell me what it is, like what kind of stuff no. they have. I need a ballpark. I will not. 20 bucks. More. What about like 100? More. 1,000. More. 3,000? Yes. 2,500. Why do we keep doing this? Just 2,000. Ding, ding, ding. Approximately $2,000. What kind of equipment is it? EMF readers? Oh, they spent approximately $400 on an EMF reader. Okay. $500 on a ghost box. $300 mm. on, on an REM pod. Not a podcast about REM like we did before. <laughs> no, no. Something no. totally different. Yeah, something totally different. $200 on a laser grid. $100 on a multi-purpose flashlight. And $500 on an infrared motion detector. I don't like this. Why would you spend $100 on a flashlight? That's a lot. It was multi-purpose. It's not the only purpose of a flashlight to illuminate things? Uh, Well, this one can illuminate it in 
bright LEDs, an ultraviolet, or in a red laser beam? Mm-hmm. I'm conflicted because most of these items that you've just described are obviously like straight out of Phasmophobia. Like maybe you just took the list of Phasmophobia items and the price is there. Where do you think Phasmophobia got their list? <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm just saying it wouldn't be hard for you to. Fair enough. Maybe I did. I've gone to stranger lengths to, to come up with information. It's true. Have they ever detected a ghost with it? Sure did. Ghost named Ryan. And how do they know? I noticed you didn't include a Ouija board in your list of equipment, so he didn't spell it out for them. They got a hit on their ghost box. Oh. And the group agrees that it was the word Ryan. So where were they and when did this happen? A school. 2016. Oh, decently recently. That almost rhymed in a weird way. It's like that combination of words. (laughs) I know. Why'd they get into ghost hunting? Is it just their name? Are they curious about it? Fun hobby. Fun hobby. They went on several ghost hunts. Have they found anything other than Ryan? Or did Ryan show any other evidence? Not that they talked about. This is hard. This band has ghosts in their name. So, of course, you try and spin it here. Of course I would. (sighs) Of course I did. But you also, it's also totally the band that we would do some point for sure. Oh, that's true. I don't know what to believe. I don't know. What should you believe? <laughs> I've only gotten the Ryan the Ghost fact right twice. Out of five. Every other time, I have assumed it was a fact. Just in hopes that it would finally be over. True. But this time, feels different. Feels different? It spin? Or feels different true? Feels different like it might be true. Oh. Not going true just out of sheer hope that it's over, that the tournament ends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, sheer hope. I really do think it's true. I think that you would have known Jukebox the Ghost was coming. They've been on my ranking sheet. Obviously, I've listened to this album for at least six or seven years, and there are others for longer than that. So it was on my ranking sheet from the beginning. I saw them in concert long before this podcast existed, and you knew about it. So I think it's a band that you would have known I would pick. They have Ghost in their name, which is a compelling reason to lie about them. But I've already got the first three right. So I feel like if I gamble and lose, it's okay. So I'm going to say this time is really the time. I think we finally found Ryan the Ghost. We finally found Ryan? (laughs) 70 episodes later. Audience? Every time I've brought this up, I've been worried that James finally came across this information. Including today, I was afraid he'd stumbled across this with how big a fan he was of this band. And every time that he got it wrong, I was relieved. Including this time. This is a spin. (laughs) (laughs) It was too obvious. It was too easy. It was too easy. Oh. And here's how easy it was. I almost didn't do it. Really? I almost didn't do it because of how easy it was. I was like, there's no way he goes for that. I took the bait. And then you told me you knew that first one. And after you knew that first one, I went, all right, taking off the kid gloves. And I quickly Googled ghost hunting (laughs) equipment kit and got all of that information and it's pricing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised you don't have it memorized by now as many times as you tried to lie about this. Well, I've never actually given you pricing for a kit before. I've always just said a lump total and then named some equipment. That's true. I thought I'd try to make it a little more believable by having price points for the equipment. That's what made me think you just lifted the list from somewhere. I know. Well, my my plans like that always seem to have the opposite effect of what I was going for. When I think something's going to be ridiculous, like too many tongue tongue flicks, you're like, no, I would have believed that number. And then when I give you dollar amounts and specific details, you go, must be a spin. Not Not this this time. time, though. And after what you told me right before this fact about 
deviously leaving information out. It wasn't devious. Halloween. I just, I figured you wouldn't take it anyway, but I wanted to leave you that option. You were hoping to get an easy free point. And if I had taken it, you would have had a shutout. That's true. And I'm glad you didn't take it. Your your devious plans were foiled by my dastardly ambitions. It wasn't a devious plan, I swear. Well, either way, I'm a little disappointed, but happy that I've won. Once again, restoring the 50-50 balance to the year of healing. Yeah, that's right. We're back to 50-50 for the year, which is the goal, right? We got to end the year 50-50. Yeah. But, you know, ghost detecting equipment, still out there, waiting. It will return. It will return. How do I get rid of it? Who do I need to pick? Ryan will find his moment in the sun. Dude, I'm going to be really, like, mind blown. Like, I'm just having a thought. What if Miley Cyrus owns ghost detecting equipment, and this is, like, the only way to be rid of this curse is for me to choose Miley Cyrus as an episode? Whoa. Worth a shot. (laughs) Like, it has to be my ultimate, like, moment of growth. And then my ghost that haunts me will have disappeared. I don't know. We'll see. Schedule her in. I'm just having that thought. (laughs) It's totally a thing that you would do. Until then. Yeah. Good night, mixtaper. I am a little disappointed I didn't get a shutout, but when the ghost detecting fact is on the table, my brain just shuts down, I think. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, it breaks your brain. We have three unresolved facts out there. Yeah. Ryan is one. The poor person who lost their seat on a plane to a hat is another. And now we have a worm named after somebody that's not Carlos Santana. But that's all I know. Well, that was a fun round. I like that one a lot. Let's talk about the album art. The painting that graces the cover of Safe Travels was made by Christopher Farino. It's very blue with little streaks of like reddish brown and yellow in there. Like an amber. Yeah, like an amber. To me, it feels, I don't know, I can't tell if it feels like sky or sea travel. It almost feels like an ocean, you know, like a beach. Uh, I got like snowy mountaintop. Oh, snowy mountaintop, okay. Like you're getting towards the peak of the mountain. Yeah, I could see that now too. Because of that diagonal that kind of runs from the top right down to the left. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess I've never thought about that. And now I can't unsee it. Definitely never got beach. Really? I honestly, no. I gotta be honest. I get beach a lot more from this than I did from anything Young the Giant did. What about this is beach? It's not even like beach colors. Yeah, blue and then sand. It kind of seems like ocean. It's like it's mainly white with little bits of like white and gray with little bits of blue and amber in them. I can see it. All right, but the mountain thing—it looks a lot more like a mountain just based on the way the colors are stacked. Yeah, a snow-covered mountain top. It's very similar to a beach. That's just not where I travel very much. I travel to the beach a lot more often. That's where you and I differ. Yeah, it's true. And we've done so many mountain cover albums. I guess I'm just desensitized to them. The Shins had a mountain. Radiohead had a mountain. Young the Giant had a bunch of mountains. A couple others had mountains. Only one had Michael Bublé kicking. So there's that. Listen, all I know, mountaintop or beach, I want it. I need it. I want somebody to tell me what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We want somebody to tell us. Well, let's talk about the record. And it starts off with somebody. You press play. What did you think? Uh, I press play. My first thought was, oh, hey, look, some music. That is an appropriate first thought to have. My first thought was, it just jumps right into it. Yeah, it doesn't waste any time. The beat drops with a little doom, and then it's immediately, I want it. I need it. It's just instantly in. No no preamble, no warm-up, no scrimmage. No scrimmage. 
<laughs> no, it's true. So many of these albums we've talked about have like a little bit of an intro, you know? A little bit of a, a, a get your toes wet. and Some of these albums be scrimmaging. Yeah, this one kind of throws you in head first. I love it. And then I like how it throws you in. Like it starts right away with the kick drum and the beat. But then it doesn't really fill itself out until the first verse with that like full piano, full band kind of sound behind it. This still feels a little sparse with little individually picked notes on the guitar. Yeah. Somebody's interesting. It always makes me laugh. Their second record contains a song called Nobody. And I just think that's funny. It shows growth. The song Nobody says you've got nobody at all. And in this song, they've kind of progressed to a feeling of I want somebody. I need somebody. It's like this desire to move past that stage. I don't think they're really related, but the titles are so similar. You know, they go together in my head. I think somebody's a lot of fun. It really leans into that catchy chorus, that very sing-songy bit. Yeah. It's that staccato guitar. And it just it makes the song peppy and lighthearted in its sound, despite its kind of longing subject matter. If you read the words, it sounds a little sad, but the music is really what makes it kind of hopeful. Honestly, it changes the entire undertone of the lyrics. Because the whole point of the song is, you know, I've spent all this time with my heart broken, but I'm still dreaming of you. I'm I'm sorry, but uh, I'm getting beach vibes now. <laughs> See? Yeah. Not about the album art, but about the album. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm getting more Beach vibes out of this album than anything the Beach Boys did. That's what I'm saying. It's just got that sound to it, and <laughs> I, I, which is why I maybe associate the cover with the beach. I've done this analogy before, but it gives me vibes. Like I listen to this song, and I just imagine somebody with like a convertible style. Style, you know, you can put the the hood down. Yeah. You're driving along a like a country road that's along the coast. Oh, like the end of the movie thing. Exactly. <laughs> but it kind of feels like the start of the movie. I pick picture this is like the opening credits rolling as you're driving down the highway yeah sure maybe because it's the first song on the album but also thematically it's still that forward facing like now it's my turn just the sound the sound is of somebody what? it's of somebody <laughs> the, the sound is of somebody driving down a country road that's next to a beach but like elevated above the beach. I understand the word picture <laughs> you're painting, yeah. Yeah. It's like if it was a movie, like the, the protagonist is driving the car and they're being careless and they like careen off the, the edge. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's kind of a sentiment for later in the album. And that's how we get into Oh, Emily. Oh, Emily, I guess. <laughs> oh, there was a line I wanted to point out. We'll still move on. Last little note on somebody. I really enjoy the line in the first verse. I don't want any more doors because I'm walking on the string. They only slam anymore like we're pulling out teeth. Did you ever have your teeth pulled out by having a string tied to the doorknob and then having it slammed? No, but almost. That's okay. Almost. My dad offered to do it that way. Okay. But I, it's a small child and scared. Rightfully so. It's a horrifying <laughs> way to pull out teeth. I don't know if I really have had to have many teeth pulled. Mine just made a run for it. <laughs> they went careening over the edge of your of your lips. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Just like they were driving down the California coast recklessly. Anyway, let's talk about track two, Oh Emily. <laughs> oh Emily's a breakup song, but it doesn't seem malicious. Yeah. It's honestly kind of matter of fact, you know? He talks about how two of us in one place can see two different things. Our perspectives were different, and we weren't on the same page. Like, we just didn't get along. I didn't mean to break your heart, but I'm fickle and I'm easily pulled away. 
and this thing ended, it was what it had to be. It ended how it had to end. What do you think musically about Oh Emily? Because it's definitely got a different feel to it, but not. I think what keeps it feeling similar to somebody is the plucky guitar. Yeah. Tommy has a very distinct guitar playing style throughout this record. I think it works really well. Yeah, that definitely makes it feel similar to somebody. I really like the set of lines. I don't know if they're the chorus, the pre-chorus. Spring turns into summer, turns to fall. Mm -hmm. I call that a pre-chorus. I think that's the pre-chorus, yeah. I just like that set of lines where it goes, spring turns into summer, turns to fall. You haven't changed, but I don't change at all. Mm -hmm. Fall turns into winter, turns to spring. You have changed, but I don't change a thing. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm a sucker for time passage, you know it. Yeah, that's a good one. I just really like that they bring it full back around the spring. It's true. Yeah, we go through the full cycle of a year. Full year. I really like verse two. It talks about the, the nature of everything to tend back towards its natural state, whether that's grass rising up through concrete that's been paved over it, or wolves following their instincts. Like, there's this sense of healing in decay, which is really cool. Growth in stuff falling apart. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And I also really love the bridge. You know, he acknowledges plenty of times throughout the song that he knows it has to be this way. But the bridge lets us know that he still kind of wishes it didn't have to end like this. When I think I don't miss it, I miss it. Which is, it's, I've always thought it's an interesting bridge because of the, the way that the words land kind of on the beats. <laughs> it's strange because it makes that phrase get emphasized in a weird way. Like the way I would normally say it is, when I think I don't miss it, I miss it. The emphasis is on miss. But the way that it lands with the rhythm of the song... When I think I don't miss it, I miss it. It's kind of bizarre, but I like it. The emphasis is is on it, and by it, we mean Emily. Yeah, she's a funny girl. Up next is a little song called At Last. That's all I remember about that song. As good as any of a place to start. It's a very memorable... I mean, that's pretty much what the music is for the first verse. The second verse gets a little more rhythmical, gets a little filled out, but the first verse is really just that bass walking around on the piano. At last, it's a meet-cute song, kind of. There's a songwriter boy and a writer-writer girl, and they're both kind of introverted and shy, and they really keep to themselves, just hoping that the other person's going to make the first move, which is a really cool concept that I don't think... I hear much in popular music. I do. I think once you get past that first verse and you get to the he poured his heart out, is nothing going to come of that? From that point on, this song's just on it. Yeah. But I think it needs that first verse to ground it because then even as all this other really interesting stuff with like the instruments, like the horns and stuff, like for all that to be able to happen, you have to have that underlying bass of the bump, like the going on. Yeah, you have to establish it before you can build on it. Yeah. It's so fun. And I really like the chorus on this one, the way they build the at last, at last, at last, at last. Yeah, it's so simple. I mean, it's two words until I thought you'd never ask, but they put so much meaning behind it because they describe these two people's situations so thoroughly and so well. You know, she gets to write down all her fantasies about this potential romance, even writes him letters that she never sends. He pours his heart out in song, and they both feel and express these really intense emotions for each other to themselves they never tell the other person and it's cool i like the idea that if they did get over their anxiety and their fear all the stuff that they're wishing for and dreaming about would come true 
That's the implication anyway. And I really love the whole concept behind this song, right? Saying at last, like we're relieved about something that happened in the past, like, oh, at last it finally happened. But really, we're not there yet. We're still anticipating a day in the future where we can finally experience the relief looking back. It's such a fun way to play with time and expectation, and I just really like that. It's just got a nice ebb and flow to it. I like it last. Uh, I like it too, but if you've had enough Say When. (laughs) Well, I've had enough of it last, but I do think we should talk about Say When. Say When feels like a very Tommy song to me. It's kind of uh, the first song. It's a little different than the rest of the songs on this album so far. Yeah. It's got like a California rock vibe to it. Okay. I mean, you did describe one of the songs as driving down California's highways. I didn't say California highways. I just said down. Okay, down a highway by the beach. A country road. I, in fact, it wasn't even a highway. It was a country road. Okay. It's got like that soft California Hollywood rock so- sound to it. The best way I can describe it is if you remember when we went to see Unwell, there was that one band that was touring with them yes. from California. And they're, you know, that sound, the, the song reminds me of that style. Okay. Not that that's any point of reference for anybody listening to this episode. It's not. Who wasn't there with us. No. But I just want to make sure you get what I'm putting down. What's interesting to me if about... had enough, say when, say when. What's interesting to me about say when is that it's kind of a role reversal for the staccato instrument. The synth gets to do a lot of the arpeggio here while the guitars get to do big sweeping chords. It's cool. I don't know. Have you have you ever been to a wedding or a party where you didn't know anybody or you just rather would not be there at all in the first place? Nah. No? Oh. I've only ever been to, like, one wedding. Oh, that's not the direction I thought that would go. I thought you'd just say, I've always liked parties. You know, I've liked being at places. and That's the re- direction I was going to go, because that's true. But I thought it was more of a shock to just say, I've only ever been to one wedding. That's true. Yeah, that is a shock. I think I've only been to one. I've been to a couple wedding receptions. Okay, well, yeah, this is more about the reception than the wedding anyway. But I've only ever been to, like, one actual wedding where they said I do and all that jazz. Mm, and all that jazz. Well, this song is kind of like a bad wedding reception you know you take your expensive ticket you show up people are quarreling and bickering or fighting or not getting along you're just trying to hide away in the corner standing next to the cake trying to be out of the way but also eat some cake as you do and i think there's some really cool lines in here Uh, there's some great lines you know uh, the people that you love are always hating on the people that you love it's a great line it's a cool line i know it's so fun and there's this point where he talks about the image of your face distorting on the reflection of like the plate congratulations on your ugly dinner date that's just such a fun twist fun uh perspective shift i also like the line i'm sick of all the small talk if you're sick of pretending Mm, yeah kind of just being like we can both drop the act and just be done with this it's true it's like if you're done pretending like you're interested in talking to me we can top stop the small talk because i'm done talking to you (laughs) right who's gonna give in first who's gonna back down and finally end the conversation i really like the title because say when like that's the thing you're gonna tell a partner who didn't want to be there when you go like if it's my party and my person doesn't want to be there i'll like just say when when you're ready to go oh right that's exactly what i'd say if you've had enough say when and we'll we'll ditch we'll get out oh interesting was that not what you thought i feel like i listen as i already confessed not a big wedding guy yeah yeah not by choice if you want me to come to your wedding please invite me audience 
We're available. Book us for your wedding. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe you can't afford a DJ. Maybe you just want two guys to show up and record a podcast <laughs> at your wedding. We work cheap. We'll play some factor spin. Oh, give us facts about the bride and the groom and we'll play. Yeah. That'll be great. Your marriage will be over before it starts. But I feel like in the few situations that I've like been someone's plus one to a place, I'm here to like support you and make sure you're having a good time because this is your thing Mm. so like i'm just here to chill and hang out and eat all the free food let me know you say when it's time to leave and i'll be i'll I'll follow you out the door but until then go enjoy yourself okay (laughs) like i've never thought about it the other way but like oh i'm bringing you to this thing that i'm really invested in and you tell me when you're ready to leave like i feel like it's the other way around okay maybe it is either way i think both ways are important ways to healthily support your plus one and also to show how i'm not a party person when you and me were like oh you know normally when you say when my brain immediately went to telling a, a waiter to like to stop, stop grating putting- cheese <laughs> yeah, i was just about yeah to stop grating that's what cheese they say at all gardens say when yeah and it's never enough it's never when yeah exactly maybe that's it it's the anticipation of being ready to say when but the, the moment never arrives like we never get there i mean i think that's what they're going for in this song yeah the mountain on the front is actually made of parmesan cheese oh because we we will never say when to the waiter. <laughs> you know, you're sick of pretending. We can stop all this small talk if you would just say when, but they never do. Just the speaker's overeating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that my brain immediately went to Olive Garden when you went, oh yeah, you know, a social interaction with someone. <laughs> I would just like, cheese. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> when you're here, you're family and the people that you love are always hating on the people that you love. That's classic family. Classic Olive Garden. <laughs> I really like the bridge of the song. It's interesting because once again, it kind of flips the script he says every good reason you've had so far for leaving is just another weakness that brings you closer to me like maybe it's not something wrong with the party or the situation maybe i need to figure out why i feel uncomfortable in this space and address it head on it's so topsy-turvy i really like that perspective on it too am i moving too fast for you don't let me fall behind i won't we're on track five don't let me fall behind This song, to me, I think there's a little bit of room for interpretation. Don't Let Me Fall Behind, to me, feels like a song about anxiety in a relationship. You know, a progressing, a current relationship, but one where you still feel doubts, nevertheless. He sings, I'm the ghost of your past and mine, slowly combined. Like our histories have grown together over the years. Our memories have all become intertwined, and I've become who I am because of all the experiences I've had and shared with you. But there's a lot more there. Right? A lot more anxiety underneath the surface. There's worry that we discover in the chorus. Aren't we all alone? Like, no matter how close we become, at the end of the day, there's always our inner self that a partner's never gonna fully experience as much as we try to let them share in that. So there's that self-doubt. Don't treat me like the past. Don't let me fall behind. Don't let the good memories of me fade. And I hope our love doesn't start to grow apart and feel distant like our old memories. That's what it feels like to me. I'm not a big fan of all the say nows. You're not a big fan? Really? I thought it was kind of in the same vein. It doesn't do as much legwork as at last, at last, at last, at last. No, nowhere near as much. No. Musically, it's a good build into the chorus, but lyrically... Felt like they were trying to recapture the at last magic 
and it was a big swing and a miss. Yeah. The only thing I kind of liked about it was that the previous song was called Say When, and now they're saying Say, Say now. now. Yeah. Like, that part, I was like, okay, yeah, I like that, if that's, like, was purposeful. I It almost does feel like an answer to that, in in a sense. But in, in an isolated context, just within the bounds of this song, it does feel a little fillery, lyrically. Yeah. Musically, it's still a great transition piece into that chorus. I'm also, I think it's been my least favorite chorus. Well, that's fair. Like, I really like that initial line, of the and aren't we all alone? Like, the lyrical work there, the melody, the lyrical melody is really nice. And then the other three lines just don't do what I want them to do. I don't know what I want them to do, but it wasn't that. Oh, I think the real musical gem of this song is the verse. I also like that it starts in the middle of an action because I'm the ghost of your past in mind. Like, it's it's answering a question we haven't asked yet right off the bat. It's giving us a cause for something we haven't quite figured out. I just like that immediacy of it. But I really like the melody behind it. The way he holds out some of the longer notes in the verses play really well up against the fast beat underneath. And the way Don't Let Me Fall Behind ends is really interesting, too, because it starts to build and, like, lean into a big moment that never happens. It's kind of a hard stop at the end of the song. Yeah. How'd that hit you? Like a hard stop at the very end. Huh. Predictable, but understandable. <laughs> I think the hard stop is kind of a neat way to lead into track six, Dead. Oh, yeah, it is. It's very much the slowest point on the record. The most sparse, maybe? It's not a ballad in the traditional sense. It feels really empty and really hollow, sonically. Whereas Somebody was a song that was peppy and optimistic and future-focused, Dead is a song that is very much sulking in the present. It's pretty dead. It is pretty dead. It starts by speculating about all the ways this person might have died, like in the past. It might be dead in the moment. Maybe it was the sleeping pills. Maybe I never made it home in, for example, like a car crash. Maybe there's been a hole in my heart leaking my life away the entire time. And we go through these possibilities and we hit that first chorus. If I did die, how would I know it? That's the main question the song asks. Have I died already? Is there something distinct, some indicator that I'm dead, like an afterlife? Or am I stuck in this never-ending like purgatory state, this dull dream about nothing that never ends? What do you think? It's it's probably the album's darkest moment. By far. Uh, I don't know. Not my favorite version of their sound. No, fair. It's honestly, I think Dead is a side to their sound that so far in their entire discography, I don't think they've touched again. I think Dead was the first and only time that they've hit it quite like this. Hmm, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And it does, it starts slow and sparse, and it slowly, very gradually starts to build. We hit the song's bridge, which is, once again, Jukebox the Ghost is, in my opinion, kind of hitting bridges out of the park. We all, at minimum, deserve a unique exit from this world. So if you're there, God, see to it. Which kind of implies that we're not really entitled to a unique or exciting life, but at the very least, we should be able to go out with a bang. Which is such an interesting thought. (laughs) It's such an interesting way to look at life and to put it in this context of, hey, do I know if I've died or is it going to feel the same? It just It's really an interesting play on how you should live your life. 
ironically, right? Yeah. It's saying you're not entitled to have an interesting life. But if you're trying to have an interesting life, like, you know, if you're out there putting in the effort to try to make your life interesting, you more than likely will go out with that bang and you won't have to wonder what happened. You'll know. It'll hit you like a freight train if a freight train hits you. Yeah. And that's the point where the song really does start to pick up. Where the guitar just starts to strum, 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 strum. And it really just leans heavy into, if you're there, God, see to it. And they do that a lot to close out the song. Also interesting, very cool, and totally unintentional on the band's part. This song is in the key of D and built around a D suspended second chord, whose primary notes... Is an E and an A? Yeah. The primary notes are the 1, which is a D, the 5, which is an A... And the major second, which is an E. So in the right configuration, they do spell out dead. D-E-D. D-E-D, dead. No. (laughs) One time a fan noticed this and pointed it out to them and said, wow, I can't believe, like, was this a thing you did? Because that was so clever. And they went, ooh, no, we didn't have any idea or think about that at all, but... It's pretty great. Thanks for noticing. We did now. We're going to claim it. (laughs) So I just think that's really fun. And like a neat little aspect to the song that obviously you probably might not even recognize. They wrote the song and didn't know it happened. So fun. I do think it's interesting the order they picked for some of these songs. I do too. We go right from a song about not knowing if you're dead or how you died to a song about how from adulthood no one survives. I know. And well, you already talked about how say when and don't let me fall behind feel like answers to each other i've always thought dead and adulthood kind of go together in in a bit of a way Mm -hmm. adulthood is honestly one of my favorites on this record it's this peppy grim piano rocker about getting old and the one affliction we will never outrun the speaker's aging and to his own surprise and chagrin he no longer feels as spry and as young as he wants to feel he says in my lungs i still feel young but my body won't play along the world is lost and lonely and frustrated and all we have to do our lot in life is to age to get older what do you think about it conceptually adulthood i i think is a really interesting concept hot take yeah i think this song if i had to guess is as popular as it is just because of the music (laughs) i agree I think the peppiness of the music lends to it being more popular than it maybe should be. Should? Oh. I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. And at this point, that peppy pluckiness to the instrumentals, you know, it's fallen in that trap of uh, you're just repeating what I've already heard on your album. You're not being unique anymore. And so you no longer can stand on only that. And I don't know. Outside of the clever line of you know, about the adulthood and not outliving it or whatever. I don't know. I just couldn't get into this one as much as some of the others. Really? interesting bit of a hot take there probably well i agree it's definitely a popular because of the music it's such a sing-alongable song but i really love the concept of it you know i dare you to survive being grown for the rest of your life because from adulthood no one survives adulthood is like the final state of life you know when you're young there's other phases you you're a baby you're a toddler you're a kid you're a teen But once you cross that threshold into adulthood, you'll never be anything else again. It's such a long and final phase of life. Like, sure, there are other subcategories like senior and septuagenarian and whatever, but they're still all like subclasses of adults. 
So I just really like that perspective. I also really love the line, each one's waiting for the chance to be lifted off the ground. It's like that internet revelation we all collectively had a couple years ago. Like, wow, when we were young, there was one day that our parents picked us up for the last time, you know, and everyone went, oh, over that for a while. Everyone <laughs> got all emotional. That line is like that, and I like it. I'm not emotional. <laughs> Sorry, don't get too emotional. Rain it in. Feel your feelings. Some other time. When I'm in the empty house with my ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Jukebox the ghost owns ghost detecting equipment. Not, but if they did, they'd be <laughs> looking for ghosts in empty houses. Like this one has the peppy guitar that I was talking about and the in the kick drum. Mm-hmm. But like I got into this one so much more than adulthood. Interesting. You might be a Tommy guy instead of a bend guy. Maybe that's what it is. It could be. I think that could be it. But everyone's a Jesse guy. Ghosts in Empty Houses, it's another one that I feel like has a couple different angles from which you could approach it. It's it's another song about moving on and what happens to places and people in our past once we've left. Yeah, I feel like, does this answer off of adulthood? Like, is this you dying? No, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily about literal death. Well, because verse 2 says, in my darkest hour when death is knocking at my door. Yeah. That's true. So that's why I was like, is this like, is this theme from like dead to adulthood to ghosts in empty houses to devils on our side? All like one connected line. It, it sure could be. It's like you die and then the devil's on your side. I think that makes <laughs> sense to me. I've always kind of considered ghosts in empty houses on a bit of an island. Oh, really? Between dead and adulthood and what comes next. But yeah, it could very easily kind of act as a separate step. I don't know. It's it's mostly just at its core a song about emptiness. Another significant theme of this song, and it is the same kind of theme that's on Dead and a few other tracks. You know, the ghosts and the memories, the things fill up these empty houses that we've left, and they scream, but nobody's left around to hear. They get stuck in that state forever. It's, it, as you might say, preserved in the filing cabinet of your memory, just locked away, waiting to be found and dug up again. And it's, it's interesting, because that's just like one part of it. It's also a song about purpose, to an extent, right? Like, we're the ghosts in our own houses, drifting around looking for meaning, but unable to find it. We're the ghosts in our house that is a jukebox. We're the jukebox, we're the ghosts in the jukebox. I like ghosts in empty houses. Yeah. It's just, it feels like I don't like it as much as everything that's come before it. I tend to agree with a couple exceptions, like adulthood. Yeah, apparently. Well, the reason I think it's kind of on an island is because dead and adulthood blend so well thematically. But then Devil's on Our Side and The Future All for Love also really blend so well. Devil's on Our Side feels like a little prequel Mm. to All for Love. It's short. It's two and a half minutes. And there's not a ton happening lyrically. We've got four little verses. Who's the, Who does this one? This is a Ben song. Yeah, I could tell. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the answer I was expecting you to say. I think you're right. I do. I know. I know. I, I think I'm a Tommy guy. That's interesting, too. I, I just think you probably, you're the classical jazz music guy. Like, Ben's a classically trained pianist. Like, he does a lot of interesting chord work and some really fun melodic runs. Sorry, you're taking classical piano, like Beethoven, and comparing it to classical jazz? Is that what you just did there? My point is, <laughs> what I'm talking about is the complexity of the songs is more on par with what you usually like. I don't care about the complexity. I care about the style. Yeah, Tommy's the rocker. 
Tommy has that guitar-driven rock. He's got that sarcastic bite a lot. Yeah. And you don't think that's me? The guy who, like, has mainly, like, rock songs in his okay. top, in his I'm nines. Just saying. And, I'm just saying. And loves to be sarcastic on the podcast. It, it's... And has a biting problem. Wait, what? Well, think of it this way. <laughs> think of it this way. I think Ben's, like, to pull from your nines, Ben's like a Barry Manilow. Tommy's like a Billy Joel. In terms of style. And who's at the top of my nines? Ray Stevens. At the top of my nines? (laughs) Billy Joel, yeah. All right, there we go. The only surprise is that I'm normally the ballad guy. That's, yes. And Billy does more of the ballads. Well, Devil's on Our Side is a ballady. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying that like he does the ballads mainly, and that's the only surprise that I don't like his stuff more. It's a pivot. Well, I'll test you. I'll test you. I'll throw some other Jukebox the Ghost songs at you, and we can see if you are consistent in your preferences. (laughs) Maybe I'm just in a in a Tommy mood right now. Oh, maybe it changes. This is such an interesting song. You know, he says, with devils on our side, what's the use of lying? The truth itself will speak volumes when we're dying. What a good couplet. Yeah. It's just like we're kind of listening to our worst impulses and urges, taking things into our own hands and really letting temptation win. And it's this really intense moment of like wishing and regret. And I don't know. It's a whole thing. In the end of the song, when the angels return to our side instead of devils, the speaker catches himself crying in relief and regret and fear, and it's a ton of emotion. Probably close to the most emotion on any one track in the record, packed into its second shortest song. It's an emotional power punch. Yeah. But it moves right into All for Love, which is such an interesting song. Oh, I'm just not digging the second half of the album as much. Really? I think All for Love is a song that feels easy to overlook, but it is so cool. <laughs> it's about the things that we do for love. Whether we're searching for it in a temporary situation or for something else, it's all for love. And it's all for love. What a big loud encompassing chorus it feels so desperate and impassioned and mournful and it's just such a unique flavor on the record just this one little chorus i think it's a really cool contrast to the quiet verses i think maybe what's happened kind of the way that i feel this record is it's a bit of a descent kind of what do you mean by that what i mean is the peppy upbeat nature of the album dips yeah it starts to decline as the emotions start to build, they're kind of inversely related. And Sure, but I don't think it's that, and you'll find out why momentarily. Okay. Not for me, at least. Fair enough, but I really like All for Love, and it, it feels like the first song, I think, where the emotion, well, Devil's on Our Side in All for Love, is the first pair where the overall emotion eclipses the overall pep of the songs it's the it's the first time we're on the other side of that intersection and i love that little minor chord in the middle of the second verse between the choruses it's just such a nice way to build tension i like all for love a lot for me man in the moon is the first song to rival my interest since probably say when whoa yeah that's a big gap i'm a big fan of the first four tracks and then i don't think i like anything as much as i like the first four tracks until we hit man in the moon interesting because this is such a short this is the shortest song on the album yeah it has just such an interesting hook to it and again the guitar does some interesting stuff on this one but not in a peppy way no in a more melodic way 
way. In a like a dude with a guitar singing outside your window kind of way. Yeah. It's such a fun, not to bring us back to the moon. This is not like Kid <laughs> Cudi and the man on the moon. This is Tommy's guitar ballad. And it's really sweet. I, guess, I think I'm just a Tommy guy. I didn't. I don't even know who does each of these songs. But you're picking all of Tommy's <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you, you definitely are. I know. That's consistent. <laughs> I don't know who does any of these. That's the thing. Every time I give you an album and stuff, I feel like a doctor that's like running tests on you. I'm like, yeah, yes. I can see here. You liked all the Tommy songs. You just honed in on those. You have the Tommy gene. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's it. You got traces of Tommy in your DNA. <laughs> it's, it's a sweet sounding song, but it does follow this familiar metaphor at this point of being apart and being distant from this person we're looking at the man in the moon right we're both seeing the same sky but we're physically very distant and at the end of the chorus we discover there's a bit of an emotional distance too he has to ask are you in love with someone new and i love the way that the vocal parallels the guitar on that part it, it's like the, that draws the focus to that lyric for me you know the rest of the song the guitar is nice and it kind of accompanies his voice but the way that he sings and plays the melody at the same time right there brings my focus straight into his words i also really like the line water leads to water water leads to rivers leads to oceans leads to you yeah it's a good line it is and the moon as we all know is tidal lock sure is and it controls the tides there are a lot of thematic ties there with water and the moon and they often are like co-symbols so i just really like that up next is Everybody Knows. This song feels a lot more like the early album to me. Everybody Knows feels like an early album energy track. Does that mean it fares a little better for you or not? I was just sitting here thinking about that because I knew you were going to ask. Yeah. And I feel like if I say yes, you're going to just take that as an indication that you were right about me not liking the drop off from of the pep. No. But I don't think that's the case. It could be for any reason whatsoever. I definitely liked it more than some of the middle stuff, but I still don't know if it quite reaches the first four okay fair the the hook everybody knows everybody knows is good i like those real earwormy hooks i know jukebox the book the ghost is good at that everybody knows to me feels like the album's last attempt to go anywhere i see it's a burst of energy it's a statement it's the album's last assertive moment and i think that gives it a little extra punch it's about this person mourning a lost relationship saying he should have never let her go and it seems like everybody was in on that except for him he missed it everybody knows that he made the wrong choice the world is not on his side but he did what he did and now he's trying to like cope with it and grow through it it's another instance where the song sounds spirited but the lyrics really show his emptiness and heartbrokenness he says i never breathe the air without you somehow entering my mind i only breathe the air to keep you inside so you could always be mine what absolute desperation i really love that line it's so illustrative i think this one goes well with the next song too not that we're necessarily ready to move on yet but i just want to throw that out there another good pairing this album pairs up well that's for sure i got to agree it's like you said he didn't really get the memo and then like in the next song he talks about how he should have left yeah that's true i I think that kind of goes well together it does also it's been three years i mean we laughed at the toto guy who also we totally made up is a creation of our own imagination but we laughed at him for not being over rosanna within a year this guy's had three years to get over this girl and let go and he's like finally coming to terms with it a little bit it's interesting love will do that to you yeah it will It's also one of the only real, like, guitar solos the album has, which I think is interesting. They use it. They don't overuse guitar solos. They're very effectively placed. But up next and up last, 
but not least for our purposes, is the spiritual. It's an interesting one. It is. I like the piano on this one. Mm-hmm. It's not. Like I said, you know, everybody knows is the album's last attempt to go anywhere. This song isn't an assertive statement. The spiritual is a heartfelt plea. It's an inquisition. But I feel like it does go somewhere. Oh, it does. The intensity builds. Yes. It's just, it's not, it's not an assertive. It's, on the contrary, very, like, submitted to fate. You're in a place of little power, appealing to a higher power instead of, like, taking things into your own hands. That's what I mean. Fair enough. Yeah. It's just, it's an inquisition, it's a prayer, it's a quiet bit of reflection, and honestly, the spiritual feels a bit like a serious decompressor after an album that's been so weighty. I feel like that joke went over your head. What? And I, I feel like that earned a, that should have been worth a laugh. What happened? Or at least a pity chuckle. Huh. You made your statement and I went fair enough, which is like one of the big parts of the song. Fair, fair enough. enough. Okay. All right. That that was good. You know what? You just say fair enough so much. <laughs> I didn't true. even realize it was a reference that's to something true. this time. So you got to forgive me. That's fair enough. <laughs> but no, this song feels like a decompressor after an album that's been so weighty but like in a way that feels easy to digest the spiritual to me just kind of puts a cap on that and makes all these emotions like congeal in a real way it's a definite stop point for what this album has been bottle it up you know what did you think good end to the album bad end to the album medium end to the album it's a decent end decent okay it came up all right i was worried from the middle of the album how the rest of the album was going to go. And so, you know, it came back up from where I was afraid it was headed. Okay, that's good. It sounds like, to me, there was maybe a stronger dip for you in the middle of this album than I would have liked. Yeah. I'm curious to know where we started and where we're going to end as far as your score goes, because this is one I'm really curious about and biased towards, but... Yeah, that's why I got to give it another one. Okay, no, we're not there yet. (laughs) Let's get into Final Spin, and then you can give it anything above... Anything above a seven. So not allowed to give it a seven. Yeah, right. Deal? We'll find out. We'll find out. (laughs) I'm joking. For all intents and purposes, I I don't want to have any input or sway over your rankings. For legal purposes, he must For legal reasons, that was a joke. (laughs) So I can acknowledge that my scores a little bit come from a place of personal bias. Yeah, they do. I have a lot of like sentimental attachment to this album and Jukebox the Ghost is a band. And it's not even my favorite Jukebox the Ghost album. Like I said, I really adore and admire everything they did on everything under the sun so personal bias but music i really love the dichotomy of ben and tommy i really love that this album is a mix of guitar driven california rockers like you would call them and more piano driven like chord complex melodic runs they play well together given the music a 93 a lot of these songs are really sing-alongable and memorable There are moments, sometimes, where that's not necessarily the case. But I think the music always serves the lyrics really well. Lyrically, this album tackles a lot of big themes, but like I said, in a way that's easy to digest. I don't think it ever feels burdensome, even though we kind of jaunt our way through a lot of tough topics. And I really like that it's more grounded in reality and truth and like actual experience than some of their previous stuff. Given lyrics and 90, instruments and production, I like the vibe 
the the general feel of the production on this album a lot. It's uplifting. It's peppy. Everything feels like it goes together really well. And I really enjoy the way that these songs are kind of paired off, both sonically and thematically. That is nice and probably also factors into the vibe score. But instruments and production, 92. Great instrumentalists. Really interesting, thorough, like immersive production on this album, I think. And for the overall vibe, giving it a pretty high 94. Again, I can acknowledge that a lot of that is personal, but... I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay, that's good. That puts my overall score to 93.2 and lands it at number 28 on the ranking list, which I can admit, like, may that may seem disagreeable to some. I am humble enough to own that, but still, I enjoy it a lot. It's a fun album. It's a, an album that's got a message and things to say, and I think it balances those two aspects of his character very well. Fair enough. Now I'm self-conscious every time I say that. <laughs> every time you say fair enough? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Don't be self-conscious. Everybody does Ooh. it. Everybody knows. Now you're just quoting the Everybody Poops book. I was quoting the song Everybody Knows. Oh. <laughs> how are you going to say, how are you going to say, wow, I said fair enough and you didn't get that it was a reference. And then when I say Everybody Knows, which is literally the title of a song we talked about five <laughs> minutes ago, you say, hmm, that sounds like Everybody Poops. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. You can tell what left a bigger impact on me. I guess so. <laughs> is it my turn? Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I want to know what you thought. I think I'm just going to jump right to the score. Whoa. Okay. Jumping right to the score. I think I'm giving this one a... I'll give it an eight. eight. I'll give it an eight. Okay, sounds like you're begrudging in doing that, and you were back and forth between something else. Yeah, almost got a seven. Okay, almost. I think I'm going to give it an eight, mainly because I think it belongs right below Walls by Kings of Leon, our test episode. Whoa. That was a decision made by looking at what else was in the bottom of my eights and thinking, yeah, this goes above those. Okay, I that's you know, that's a decision I can live with on your part. I think for a unit I'm giving this one eight homeless ghosts. Homeless ghosts. Like ghosts in empty houses. Uh, well, no, because then they'd have a home. They'd have an empty house to call home. Oh, just an empty house. Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, they're called jukebox the ghost. You know, all the ghosts living in their jukeboxes. Jukeboxes aren't really that popular anymore. A lot of them oh. have been replaced with digital music and, you know, Spotify shuffle playlists. There's a lot of ghosts out there that have been evicted from their jukebox homes and are living on the ghost streets. Like, aren't the ghost streets just the normal streets? Yeah, but like during the ghosting hour. Oh, they get one hour? Okay. I'm not going to ask too many questions. And as for my top three oh. in album order. We're going to forget again if we keep doing it after the scores like this. Well, I wanted, I did it this way on purpose because I didn't want to get your hopes up. Okay. Fair enough. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Now let me go. Let me go in peace. <laughs> my top three in album order. Somebody. Somebody. I want it. I need it. Oh, Emily. Oh, Emily. She's a funny girl. At last. Honorable mention. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Say when have you had enough and a second conorable mention to man in the moon man in the moon pulling a second conorable mention wow so at last and man in the moon were the conorable mentions somebody oh emily say when top three beautiful that's great and with me taking an extra pick i didn't want to 
lead you on into thinking that maybe this was going to pull a nine like you were so desperately hoping i well i wasn't desperately hoping for a nine i'm like i said i'm content with an eight from you you're pretty desperate you you did the whole multi-text thing a couple late night you ups i mean it was it was pretty desperate wow what a okay it was the ghosting hour and i was bored (laughs) you realize that limits you on a pick for next week i know that's it's next week's could be a hard album to pick a few from i know potentially man on the moon did such a good job of reigniting the flame that was jukebox the ghost for me as the album was snuffed out by the middle i i we have different opinions (laughs) fair enough now i'm self-conscious of it and i'm not even the one that should be just anytime either of us is fair enough now we're gonna go oh no yep we've noticed it the glass has been shattered well out of those five songs oh yeah what goes on the playlist that was my next question what a mind reader i'm thinking oh emily for my pick Ooh, bold or even maybe a surprise pick of say when interesting choices i think that's entirely your call i will have no input on that okay what's yours so i can have an input on it (laughs) (laughs) can i be a pain in the butt uh i i kind of want to take adulthood oh okay that's why i'm being a pain in the butt just that's your choice it could be my choice i think maybe in time you'll grow to love it this is the second most popular song in the album it's true somebody is also a strong pick for me but i hear somebody a lot all right i'll take somebody somebody in adulthood what i didn't (laughs) want to sway your decision how's that what you wanted to take you inputted your put was in. I was kind of looking forward to O oh, Emily adulthood. Yeah, but I wanted somebody and either O oh, Emily or say when. And when you didn't take somebody, I knew I had to take it because it's my clear favorite. Wow. Okay. I I want it. I need it. We're taking somebody. But I really like say when. Ba 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 ba. Say when. You can have it if you want it. Nah, I gotta take somebody. You don't gotta. I want it. I need it. You could take somebody or you could take somebody to the wedding reception. I don't go to weddings. I just go to funerals. Jeez. What? <laughs> wow. That got dark. I've been to like 10 times as many funerals as I have weddings. Like that's 10 funerals if you've only been to one wedding. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe track six is more your speed then. No, we already talked about that. <laughs> True. That's a Tommy song. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for our episode on Safe Travels and Jukebox the Ghost. Be sure to check out all 106 episodes we've done up to this point, and be sure to check out episode 108 that comes out next week, too. Exciting stuff, new album to talk about, new things to say, new content to be consumed. Go follow the mixtaper on Twitter at the underscore mixtaper. That is the Twitter. He posts weekly vlogs now, because apparently that's a thing. Yeah, it is. You can find all those on his Twitter or on our website. That's right, www.spinitpod.com. You can also find us on other social channels, Instagram, at SpinItPod Official, and Twitter, at SpinItPod. Most other things are SpinItPod as well. So have a great week. Yeah. Don't forget to say when. Don't forget that from adulthood no one survives. Don't forget that it's all for love. And don't forget to to keep keep spinning. spinning. When are you going to stop falling for the ghost detecting equipment? I don't know. Maybe never. Now be honest with me. Were you going to make it a 7 until you remembered it was my birthday episode? Yeah, that's really the main reason I decided to bump it up to an 8. Okay, see, I knew something was up. It didn't feel natural enough. Unlike 
some people in this podcast, I make sure to make birthday episodes special. Fair enough. I think it is a pretty good birthday present for you to score one of my favorite albums way below where it should be scored. Thank you. Sorry. You were the one that asked for it to be higher than a 7. I gave you what you wished for. If you wanted it to be higher than an 8, you should have wished for that. Did I really have to control over that? Shoot, I'll have to try higher next time. Next birthday episode, find out. Only 365 short days away. Thanks, Steve.